Hello everyone, I am Harry Foku and I connect businesses in the gaming industry with freelance tech solutions and I'm your host. Welcome everyone to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Matthew Buxton, Elena Arponen, Gary Pauna and Anu Dasgupta to discuss the current state of Web3 gaming. Before we begin, let's start with some introductions. Matthew, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, happy to kick you off. I am currently Game Design Director for Robios.com, um, around about 70 people making Angry Birds 2. Um, I'm interested personally in Web3, um, but we have some other sort of discussions going on in the company. Um, my views are my own on this, so that's that's what I'm up to. Excellent. Uh, moving on to Elena. Yes. Hi, all. Great to be here. Uh, I'm Elena Arponen, CEO and co-founder of QuickSave Interactive. I've been in the gaming industry for about 17 years now. This is my second company that I'm founded and, and running. Uh, so a lot of experience in the gaming. I'm I'm more fresh to the Web3, uh, but we have already launched our first uh, Web3 game now, uh, three weeks ago. So some fresh experience on that as well. And uh, and previously we've been doing like Web2 games. So we, we work on HTML5 and we do web-based games to begin with. Um, but uh, but yes, now quite excited to be extending on the Web3. Awesome. And Neil. How about you? Yeah, hi everyone. I'm Anil. I'm a chief product officer and co-founder at First Light Games. We're currently working on Blast Royale, which is a Web3 mobile battle royale game. It's going to be out in August, and we're trying to prove that you can make great games that are fun using blockchain technology. Fantastic. And finally, Yari. Hello, everyone. I'm Yari Pauna. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Supremacy Games based in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, I have a very long history in both games and media spanning 25 plus years. Uh, now I'm doing uh, crypto games uh, uh, and we're working on a game called Apex Kings NFT Racing. Uh, prior to that, uh, it was uh, free to play games uh, mostly for almost 10 years. Fantastic. So you all have a question on Web3 Gaming. So let's start with Matthew. What is your question and the context behind it? So my question is, what do we need to do to encourage mass adoption of Web3 Gaming? And the context behind that is I come from a long history of free to play and um, Web 2 games. And in the sort of the 17 years I've been doing it, adoption has been very easy with things like Facebook. You can just jump in. But looking at how difficult it is from a UX perspective to get into um, Web 3 games currently, whether they're on mobile or whether they're on Steam or well, not Steam, but on PC. Um, there is quite a barrier for adoption for, say, the mass market. So what do we do and what does it take to enable that sort of that mass adoption and mass acceptance, especially in light of current um, scandals and things that have happened? Lovely. Anil, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is a topic that's very close to my heart. I think there's many answers I could give you, but rather than hogging the microphone, I'll give you, I think, what I feel is the most important one, and that is game quality. I think as a, a nipper and a teenager myself playing games in the past, there's many sort of steps I would jump through to play games if I thought the game was good enough. So maybe I shouldn't admit this, but I remember sort of PC gaming back in the 90s. You'd have copy protection that people would break just so people could play the latest game, be it Warcraft 2, The Secret of Monkey Island, etc., etc. I seem to remember uh, sneaking off to the arcade, skipping school to play Mortal Kombat 2 when it first came out and Street Fighter 3, which is uh, one of my favourite games of all time. I also remember sort of desperately queuing up at, you know, Euro Gamescom to like play on the Wii and, and Switch and things like that. So um, I definitely think the others will probably touch on the many sort of UX uh, problems and getting people familiar with 
MetaMask wallets and crypto and all this kind of UX. But fundamentally, I think if you can create something that is considered a truly incredible experience and or game, if you build it, they will come, I believe is what Kevin Costa once famously said in Field of Dreams. There's a cliche for the podcast and that's what we're trying to do. And I have to say that our philosophy as a studio is we're just trying to make like a really amazing fun game. And I think actually there are a lot of big advantages of making a crypto or blockchain game. And one of them, which will probably be touched on in a future question is that the kind of development philosophy is turned on its head. You actually start off with your game design out in the public via a white paper. People can see if they like the idea of your game and they rally behind it early. So if your game really is as good as the thing that you promised, it will probably be successful. And if it wasn't, it will fail. So a bit of a long answer for you, but I think game quality and awesome game is going to be the biggest thing that's going to get people to adopt blockchain technology in games. I love that. I love that. Alina. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, sure. First of all, I obviously agree uh, that the game has to be good to, for, for mass adoption to happen. Uh, and I mean, ultimately, people don't care about all the technical details. Uh, they care about the game. And, and so whether it's uh, based on blockchain or whether it's, uh, you know, cloud streamed or w w whatever, like if it's a good game. But uh, but as you mentioned as well, certainly the accessibility, the onboarding matters. And I do think there's still a room for development on, on how easy it is to kind of onboard new players to the games. And and I do, well, this is of course, because we, we, we've, we've launched on the kind of a web front. So uh, the, the first game we launched, the Zootopia Battles, that's with uh, like just next to the marketplace uh, where you have the, the nfts and everything like the whole whole thing and then you know you just switch to to <laughs> to battle tab and, and that's when you, that's where you get into the game so you don't have to like kind of download and install something on on any device uh so um so i i think from our point of view that is a very <laughs> good kind of first step towards having a very seamless onboarding and, and user experience certainly still uh can, can improve with things on like at which point you require a wallet, uh, for example, can you try the game uh, first off, even without having your wallet uh, in there or, or this kind of things, you know, maybe you have some kind of tutorial that you can you can check out first and you kind of get, in, get interested and, and that's when you're like, okay, yes, actually, I want to play this one for real and, and then you get in. Um, so I think this kind of things will definitely evolve in the ecosystem on, on how to onboard people. I like it. Uh, Yari, what are you thinking? Yeah, so uh, I have to agree with uh, both of these points. Uh, what Anil said about, uh, uh, you know, having to jump through some hoops uh, in, in the past to get uh, Monkey Island to work or, or any other of those. I'm, I'm going to better it uh, uh, by remembering my Commodore 64 cassette uh, recorder and, and I had to find unit with the screwdriver uh, to be able to um, uh, load the games. And, and it does feel uh, uh, somewhat similar with uh, crypto games. I've, I've seen a couple of people, you know, being disheartened just by how difficult it is to get into there. So um, my opinion is is that uh, even the, if, if there's a really, really super great game, uh, so some of the people are, are going to be lost, uh, you know, if, if it stays as difficult as, as it is. So uh, with our Apex Kings, uh, we, we have made a... Um, uh, partnership uh, with, with the blockchain operator that uh, we actually haven't announced yet. So I'm not going to name names, but uh, the onboarding is uh, so easy that I, I, be, I believe it's it's going to benefit uh, our forthcoming game and, and uh, all of the games in, in that ecosystem. And on the other hand, uh, if, if you think about the quality of the games, um, 
that's 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 really obvious uh, that uh, quite a lot of the uh, let, let's say let's not call them serious gamers but uh, you know average gamers uh, they've been accustomed to uh, a certain quality level of of a game and and it doesn't mean that it has to be something like uh, uh, super 3d or anything think, think about wordle it's it's a good game and super simple and, and the graphics are really simple but it's a good game and and those good game ideas um they they are not the uh, first thing that uh, the first generation crypto game developers were thinking or actually I, I don't think they were game developers they were more like crypto people doing a game i like it just to bring it back to matt what are you thinking so i mean great points all round, and i think everyone can agree that gaming game quality is super important and game quality is something that potentially has been lacking with some of these things um, especially since um, many of the core loops were not dramatic when things started off, and I definitely see that improving. But Yari, you make a really good point about it has to change. It has to get a bit bit easier, because I think as um, as I've grown up, my attention span and the amount of time that I can spend getting into games is a lot less than it used to be back in the day when I had like a computer from the BBC and was green and black screen. So I think it's one of those things that um, I, I think everyone's point is really good. Um, but I'm wondering, do we think that there is going to be a, as Yari says, a partnership, or do we think there will be a Facebook equivalent that just everyone logs into and that this is the sort of the default standard as it was in mobile gaming between about 2012 and about 2019 or 2018? That's interesting because when I'm thinking about it now, if I want to play a game on my phone, you got the Play Store, the iOS Store, or if you're crazy, you download it straight from the game developer, but that's a bit risky. And there's nothing like that in crypto, like a blockchain type game. You're really putting a lot of trust. Like even when you're downloading a game from Steam, there's some checks that probably happen. Uh, so I literally have never thought about there's probably going to be like the Facebook of the world. Uh, I wonder when that would happen. What are we thinking? Two years, five years, this year? I mean, I know some people that are already working on things like this. I, whether or not they're going to be successful, I don't know, because the amount of people to say, we're going to be the steam of blockchain. And um, they might be, but if there's like 10 people that are going to be the steam of blockchain, only one's going to survive. But it is possible that something like that will happen. Um, I don't know. I think that we're, we're already past that point personally, but... Uh, it would help, I won't deny that. If there was one standardized thing, I think what's more likely is that at the moment there's many competing blockchains and instead we'll come down to like one or two within just a few years and then it will be fairly clear then how to build the solutions on top of that. But we'll see, anything could happen. I'm really excited because that's going to change so much. Like imagine, you can just imagine a website now where you can just rank blockchain games and you don't have to do all this research that you want to do before. Matt, what are you thinking? So I was wondering, um, as a sort of a follow-up question to that, do you think that the access to the blockchain games will be through a metaverse? Well, if I if I uh, pick that one, um, uh, I mean, I think it's already metaverses. I think it's uh, there are many of them right now. They're already existing. So I think it's going to take a long time for them to kind of <laughs> become just one metaverse. If, if that is, is even going to happen, it's more likely that the, the avatars will jump at some point from metaverse to another metaverse. So so I think it's going to be uh, more of a multiverses <laughs> approach. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, those could be one access point to games. I mean, that is to some extent happening already. Uh, so so yeah, but I, I do think there will be this, this kind of Steam-like distribution sites happening before that. So my, my thoughts on metaverse as well, just to chime in on that, is to me, if Steam was a place, it would be a metaverse. So I'm wondering if it's a case of these different metaverses, as you say, being like meta countries, 
um, and each one being on its own blockchain and each one having its own sort of amusements and people traveling from one to the other with various rules in each side. So I'm wondering if uh, it is going to be strangely divided or whether it will all coalesce into ready player one style. I'm thinking it's going to be all different. It's, I mean, obviously, I have no idea. I'm just thinking from a consumer point of view and technically speaking, it is a pipe dream in my head to have one place where everything magically works together unless uh, what Anil said earlier it kind of coalesces to one or two blockchains. What are you thinking, Anil? Yeah, same that you've just said. I would agree. I think as well, you know, look at something like Microsoft. They've just spent 67 billion on buying half the IP in the games because they're going to make their own metaverse. And if you want to travel to Microsoft town, you can. You've just got to have yourself a game pass to do it. But their stuff isn't going to move across their metaverse to someone else's. So I think most likely it is going to be a series of disparate countries, I guess, in your metaphor you could kind of liken it to. But perhaps that's not a bad thing is you'll get different kind of choice and that might promote competition, which is healthy for the customer. Um, I think the only way you'll ever get a ready player one situation is for there to be one company to totally dominate all of gaming. And I just think the world is too big and there's too much money at stake for that really to happen. Um, uh, unless sort of the world ends up being submerged underwater and some sort of globo corp takes over, then maybe it could happen. And the good thing is we will find out. It's not a... This is actually happening in real life, so we'll find out in this universe. Awesome. Uh, Alina, we'll come to you next. What is your question and the context behind it? Yeah, sure. So my question is about the community. It's basically how do you work with your community? And obviously that kind of already has the assumption inside that you are working with your community. Uh, and I think that's kind of something that I find very uh, refreshing, nice, very active in this, in this Web3 scene. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on how are you doing that. Nice one. I want to start with Anil. How are you doing it? What are your thoughts? I could probably give you a two-hour presentation on how we work with the community because I think it's so important in Web3. It's the biggest thing that we as a company underestimated going into this. I think we've 20x our monthly budget on what we spend on the community, including how many team members we have on it. So the reason for that is how, how do we work with them? First and foremost, you know, we engage in active dialogue with them via our Discord and Twitter, and to a certain extent, Telegram every single day. We have a rabid community that asks us a lot. Uh, we often do things like we are really big on kind of um, developer interaction with anyone in the team. So we kind of make daily videos. Uh, the room that I'm talking to in right now, we use quite commonly. We made a build, for example, the other day, it had a few problems in, the players weren't too happy. So we just made a video immediately. We're like, hey guys, we recognize that there's these problems here. We're gonna fix them. Here's what we're gonna do to fix it. We ship the build, it earns trust. We have like tournaments all of the time. We do streaming with everyone. We use it for the roadmap. You find lots of interesting things. We have like a variety of levels and arenas in our game. And the one that everyone in our team thought was the worst is the one the community thinks is the best by about a 10, tenfold factor than what we thought it was. So I think it's really interesting. And as I kind of alluded to before, I think the way that we really work with the community is that it's kind of turned the traditional sort of Web2 model on its head. So Web2 is all about you're going to run these adverts on paid performance marketing channels and you're going to see if your LTV and your free to play game is better than the amount that you spend on your adverts. And if you can optimize that to the nth degree, you'll have a successful product. Like do Playrix really make the best match free games or is it because they make the most optimized creative with the gameplay that they've got? I mean, they do make great games, but I'm saying they understand the game that we're playing in the business world in order to succeed. 
Currently in Web3, it's really important to have your community because it's about building a virality engine, making sure that those super fans are going to bring more and more people into your game and get that word of mouth, which we all know is the number one reason people play games in the first place. So we do everything we can to try and create this kind of, well, we believe it, we're trying to portray ourselves as the good guys of Web3, be trustworthy, make a great game, show that we're being listened to or we're listening to the community and so on. And I think that if you can provide that and people feel like it's a home, Again, this kind of, kind of concepts that we talk about, what is a metaverse really? It's a place that you go to, to socialize and be with other people, enjoy yourself, have a good time, and maybe do a bit of game playing at the same time. So we work with all of these kind of uh, pillars as our kind of company and, and what we try and do. We try and make sure that everyone in the team is involved and make sure it's a two-way dialogue. That's what we do. Awesome. Thank you. Matt, I'll come to you next. What are you thinking? So I have the majority of my experience has been in Web2 um, communities and community building for Web2 is sort of something that happens or has happened outside of your control often and is something that happens when people love your game and they build a community around it. When I was working in Miniclip for 8ball, the community there was, um, was very intense and they played a lot and you could see that they didn't like changes and then they accepted them later. And for me, it's really about the difference between being proactive and going out there already and saying, we want to make this, what do you think? Um, and seeing how that works. And for me, the ideal situation is that the community already feel like they are part of, part of the story. And if they feel like part of the story, they want to be the first people to play it. And they want to also share that with others. My, my sort of musings on this are what happens when Every game has a community, every game has a Discord, every game has an active Discord, but on Steam, you don't, for example, have that. So what happens? Do you reach a community saturation? Um, too many communities for your game. I found that really interesting because I had that kind of burnout having 100 Discord servers and like, I can't be in all here at the same time. And Neil, you have something to say? Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think that will happen. I do think that's why it's important to have kind of first mover advantage in the market. I think, for example, for every Nintendo and Blizzard, there aren't so many companies that could achieve that kind of, or Supercell being a recent example, that barometer of quality that means that they can just release any game they want and 10 million people are going to download it, even if you can only get it in Canada on soft launch. So I think you might just see a sort of like winners, not necessarily winner takes it all, but there'll be like a batch of companies that establish themselves as the top ones in Web3. And there'll probably be other companies that cannot rely upon using Discord to grow their games. So I think you kind of already see that where indies are kind of going that way in startups, whereas traditional companies like your Zingers, who've announced they're going to be working with Forte, or you know, you've got Network who are also working with Forte too, they're going to go for more of a standardized solution that fits everything. And they're not going to rely upon a Discord to grow their game into being successful. They're going to rely on IPs and people just play their games and the blockchain is kind of in the background rather than being at the forefront. Lovely. I'll come to Yari. What are your thoughts when it comes to building the community? Yeah, I, I think uh, com coming from mobile games uh, into Web3 space, uh, this is probably the uh, sort of biggest hurdle that uh, we have here. Because uh, previously we have been doing um, the same thing with so, sort of an arms from an arm's length, uh, like like Anil said, uh, it's it's uh, uh, analyzing the ads and and everything like that, and, and uh, you know people are just numbers on on an Excel sheet, and and then you see if if you make them so called happy. Or, or not me, meaning that they spend or or uh, they stay uh, playing your game, but uh, in in this case you are you are very close to the skin of of the players, uh, and uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's a bit frightening 
if, if you haven't done it before and uh, you obviously are going to make quite a lot of mis mistakes there. Uh, this reminds me of uh, when in previous life uh, I was the editor-in-chief of uh, Top Gear here in Finland and we had a very, very active community. Uh, at that time it was uh, on, on Facebook and, and they, they are very vocal. The more they care about cars, the, the, the more vocal they were. And, and I believe it's, it's, it's here. So that's um, sort of uh, the thing that I'm trying to comfort myself with is, is that if there's someone giving you hard critique, it's because they care about the game, not, not because uh, they, they are bad people or, or anything like that. But uh, it was really interesting uh, hearing Anders say that you 20x the budget for, for that. And I, I don't know where you started and where you ended, but that, that's, that's really uh, expensive. Yeah, and can I say, I think we still haven't done it enough, which might sound insane, but honestly, I, to be honest, it's because we completely undervalued it. But I really, if, if anyone, if you've got one takeaway, if you want to go into Web3 Gaming, is that whatever team you think you need to do to run your community, think about it again, and then think about it again after that, because it's a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I think it was a good point when you said that. That this is sort of a Discord land crapping mode uh, that uh, you you have to be there, uh, and uh, so we we are trying to our, carve our corner in in the uh, car games uh, part of this uh, this Web three universe. So let's see what happens. I love it. Awesome. So let's change directly direction slightly. Uh, Yari, what is your question and the context behind it? So um, my question is, what is Gen2 Web3 games or, or gaming? This ties up to the uh, stuff that we have actually talked here previously. Uh, Gen1 meaning, uh, meaning obviously the bad games uh, and, and none of us are making those. And, and Gen2 meaning the second generation, the evolution, the good uh, games in, in, in crypto or, or Web3. Lovely. I'm going to pick Anil to kick us off. What are you thinking? Um, I think Generation 2 is, yeah, one high quality games, but I think also importantly, they've got a free to play aspect. So a lot of crypto games at the moment to play, you need to buy the NFTs first, which has pros and cons to it. Whereas I think now the big design change you're seeing, even Axie Infinity are doing this, by the way, is that you can play the game for free. You can try it out. You can see if you like it and then you can earn the earning potential if you decide to progress to the NFT side of the game. So I think that's probably a TLDR of what I think Generation 2 is. And I think what it isn't, and I think you could would be the following question is like, what is Generation 3 Web3 Gaming? Well, I think Generation 3 Web3 Gaming will be games that you could only do on the blockchain. Um, it'd be interesting to see if others in this chat have had game design ideas that you could only make on the blockchain, because that's a very interesting exercise. Um, we have such ideas and we think they would all be terrible because we're not very good game designers. Hopefully, Matthew can come up with something that's good. But there are things that you could only do that way. So what I would say is that Generation 2 games are not that type of game. They will be fairly standard games that you've seen before with a blockchain element, but they'll be high quality with a free-to-play aspect. And what they won't do, though, is they won't be full-fat blockchain only, everything on-chain, and that might be the next evolution of the genre in a few years' time. Lovely. Matthew, I'll come to you next. Thanks for that. I I also share the idea that Gen Gen 1 is is fairly easy to define. You've got your axes, you've got your land sort of games, um, and even the sort of board ape um, other side with this massive land sales, it's super expensive. The thing that worries me about your um, Gen 3 version is, NL, is look at the gas fees that happened when they did said land sales. There was people buying essentially nothing for extreme amounts. My, my kind of take on it is that there is, also, there is also a way that the player or the person thinks about it. I've, 
I've spoken with someone who was a self-confessed whale in mobile games um, and then moved to Web3 because they feel more invested. And for me, I think the, the next generation will be potentially defined by um, how people see these games as whether they see them as something just to earn or whether they see them as something as an entertainment that they can be good at um, an entertainment that can potentially lead them into doing like playing these games um, and being good at these games and going between the metaverse countries taking their hall with them so i think um, for me generation two could be defined with how players see it and the other thing is potentially who the players are like we are going to start to see huge corporations who've been putting this money away a few years ago, Epic was one of them, getting into this and bringing mega IPs. So I think Gen 2 could also be defined by mega IPs, um, probably poor implementations of blockchain because they've done early, but massive potential. So I, I'm interested to see what Alina thinks as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, that's interesting point of view to look at it, like who's playing the games. I think also another view is like who's making the games. So I'd say now in the Gen 2 or Wave 2, we see more kind of traditional game developers coming to the space, maybe cooperating with the with the earlier blockchain uh, focused people or, or then, you know, going out on their own. But we see a lot more growing interest within just, you know, traditional game developers. So that will kind of also in itself, in a way, bring the game quality higher if you if you have a previous experience in building quality games on other uh, other arenas, because I mean, the platforms differ, but um, but still like like some of the core things can be the same as well. Uh, although I do agree with Anil that it'll be interesting to see when the, when the formats and the and also the, the business models and everything kind of starts to be more and more kind of uh, native to blockchain. Um, I mean, a lot of the things that is already happening in, in Web3 games is easier with blockchain, uh, but it could be done in other ways. So so it might not be something that is that is kind of like only possible on blockchain, um, even though it kind of does ease things up. And um, and also I do agree kind of what Matthew was saying on the on the role of the users. I mean, we were just talking about the community. So actually it's interesting that in this space, the community and the players will have a lot to say where this market goes because a lot of companies are are you know listening to them and you know being forward thinking and looking at sharing plans and 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 kind of like uh, also asking opinions. So so I think it's it's going to be kind of co-produced with the, with the players and 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 so it's it's really hard to predict exactly what kind of games there will be, but but definitely agree that it's uh, uh, the overall kind of gameplay and not just quality but also like diversity like we will see more genres coming up and i think that's going to be also key for this for the earlier questions or the mass mass market and that there will be uh, more genres available as well for the players lovely just to bring it back to yari what is your definition of a generation two web three game yeah um I, I would put it simply that uh it's it's actually a game so it's a game that you would enjoy even without the uh, blockchain element. And uh, I, I think we uh, really haven't seen um, many of those, if, if any. Uh, but uh, that's uh, definitely where uh, the whole thing is uh, headed, in, in my opinion. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's a couple of uh, even recent um, uh, Web3 games uh, that look like uh, Unity demos uh, with an economy slapped on them. And uh, I'm, I'm just wondering, if, if there's an, any market for those uh, anymore. And, and uh, I, I don't think there is when, when the proper games uh, or the Gen 2 games are, are coming out. Nice one. I agree. Uh, I'll take it to Anil. Go on. Well, I was actually going to disagree with your agreement there. So maybe I should let you go first. But whilst I personally am interested in making the type of game you've described there, Yari, 
I actually think it's something that we maybe are a bit sort of aloof to that you have people who like DeFi and they like the kind of finance side and they're not actually that big gamers and that's the thing that interests them and how big that market can be is harder to say but you know I would say that like one of the big things of Web3 gaming is you've got finance and games and they're colliding together and the finance power unlocks this world which is crazy when you think that games is already bigger than movies and music and books put together because it could go exponential again. Some people fundamentally, they're all about making money. How, why were 20 million MetaMask accounts made in the Philippines? Is it because of the quality of Axie Infinity or is it because people wanted to make money? So the thing is, is that we might see a new kind of, if you imagine like the big sphere of games and the kind of pies we get, console games, mobile games, PC games, there could be a fourth sector, which is blockchain games or DeFi games, and that could be a big sector on its own. And that audience may be more optimized on games that make just money and are simple to play. And, you know, it's about doing that side of it rather than the gameplay. I want to say that's not what I'm focused on. I want to believe that there is a room of exactly what you've described. Imagine playing your favorite ever game, favorite ever game, and you could make money playing it. I mean, wow, I would never leave my house. But yeah, I just want to say that, like, I think especially the more people that you meet in this industry, there's definitely a sector of people like that. And, you know, as it stands up today, most gamers are actually very anti NFT. So there is even the possibility, even though I don't believe this myself, is that we might see that it never gets mainstream adoption. And instead, it's this new chunk of players that we have to make that could even exist in regions that we are not, you know, typically involved in games, sort of like India, Philippines, Southeast Asia, Latin America. And they like blockchain games that people in the West don't. So that's just some food for thought. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong on it. No, I like it. Elena, what are you thinking? Sorry, Elena, you just yeah, muted. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so just a quick um, thought on the kind of earning uh, aspect of the games. That, uh, yeah, certainly uh, the kind of uh, possibility to earn, especially the kind of early adopters of a game, there there is that. Uh, but I would say that any game is still driven by uh, gaining experience, leveling up, achieving things. You get your patches. You get your uh, dose of endorphins when you 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 know when when that's a moment hits that you you level up and you 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 can use your experience points to to gain something in the game. So, so I, I don't think that for every people it kind of has to be that uh, they they the, the earning matters. But I mean, there's always some kind of these little rewards that you gain while, while playing. So whether it's kind of you get a a little bit of some token or or you get like a an XP that has no real life value. But actually, I don't think that feeling has to be so much different that, you know, players who just enjoy a good game and they get these uh, little in-game achievements. And then, you know, maybe it's real life, uh, maybe maybe it's not. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's not as big distinction. I mean, Anil, you said that there is, maybe maybe there is, maybe there aren't, but uh, but yeah, it doesn't have to be so so big in my opinion. Go for it, Anil. What are you thinking? Well, I was just going to say, I, I, listen, I totally agree with everything you said. I would just say that there is a game that everyone plays, not everyone, but a large amount of people play every day, and it's called the stock market. And the way that you win in the stock market is you make more money than you started within the day. And the way that you lose in the stock market, which happens to me quite often, is you end up with less money than you started with at the beginning of the day. And this particular game is extremely popular and extremely lucrative. And that's more what I'm saying is that there's like a different mindset. And it's a bit how like Candy Crush Saga and games like that made this brand new market that didn't exist before or people didn't realize enjoyed games is that 
maybe finance bros and crypto bros, there's a type of game that they like that isn't the traditional game that we as kind of gamers would normally think about. And like I say, that's not the type of game that I personally want to make, but it really wouldn't surprise me if these sort of games do become popular because it is actually an underexplored sector of the space that has people that have access to deep pockets. Lovely. I'll go on, Gary, you had something to say? Yeah, so um, I have to say that uh, I do agree with Anil about uh, the new segment being born. You know, there's PC gamers and, and console gamers, and, and they probably hate each other. And then there was free-to-play mobile games, and, and uh, the PC gamers hated them. And, and now there's crypto or N N NFT ga gaming, and, and uh, half, half of people hate them. So uh, it's it's gonna create a, a new segment. Um, uh, you know, it's it's just a definition. If we call gamified financing a game, I don't uh, uh, because uh, by that definition, uh, even just by downloading Robinhood uh, and and doing some investments on it would be a game. It's not. Uh, but I, I I understand the point that uh, if if you don't care about uh, the game itself, uh, but you're thinking about the uh, financial things only there, and 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 it's just. Uh, you know, it, it would be just too boring without it, then, then fine. But, but uh, I, I wouldn't call that uh, a, a uh, Web3 game. Uh, I, I would say that it's so, sort of, as, as I said, gamified financing or, or just a straightforward financial product. Go for it, Matt. What are you thinking? So I think um, it's interesting you talk about gamified finance because one of the things I worked on was Able Pool. And I think there is actually a big crossover between sports games um, especially sort of like board sports, um, like darts, things like that, and poker and gambling and stock market and crypto. So there is a real interesting thing that maybe these finance people are the ones who actually play casinos or social casinos. Maybe that is what they're actually looking for. So maybe what's going to be the new, the new big thing for those particular people, since they already have casino games are incredibly popular, even social casinos you can't cash out of now. Imagine you had a social casino that you can cash out of. Uh, so that could be that could be the thing that scratches that itch. And we've seen that casino games, when you look at them as not games, it's very it, the top um, looks very nice. But when you just look at the earnings and you you allow all apps in there, you see quite a few casino games in in general in total in mobile making up a large body of it. So I would I would agree that there is this this need um, for people who like finances and gambling on the stock market but i wonder if it will just be filled with genuine gambling games but with crypto i'm thinking now as a consumer because i feel like this all happens and it's blurring lines together so you're gonna have to have both because you need people putting money in a blockchain game and if everyone's playing the game from the philippines i feel like it's just not sustainable the money has to come from somewhere so you would need a mix but the people putting in the, the money i mean there's going to be two reasons you need to either Want to flex, which I think is one of the biggest human drivers for anything, uh, especially in gaming, uh, just trying to flex or just get an advantage or the second one, trying to make money yourself. So I feel like you need to have a bit of everything. And there may be some who focus on one part, uh, but I feel like it all works together. What are you thinking, Elena? Yeah, I, I do think those are valid uh, kind of ways to uh, or reasons to spend money in the games. But I think we can also kind of extend to anything that is happening now, like, for example, in mobile gaming, like we, we will see like, uh, you know, battle passes and, and, and all kinds of like different ways to monetize to arrive in the in the block blockchain of Web3 gaming as well. So. So I think it'll be a, a you know a, n a number of ways to kind of spend your tokens or or kind of 
buy things that yes can advance you in the game or or give you something extra or make you make your bonuses go bigger or you know what, what, what all the ways that are free to play games are already using i mean i think a lot of those can be kind of adapted to this world which then means that you know of course you know there needs to be kind of from from developers point of view there needs to be money things that you know people are spending money because they like to spend money on things uh, and not just everyone everyone kind of cashing out awesome lovely let's finally go to anil what is your question and your context behind it? Yeah, uh, my question was, given recent events, how people think the crash of Terra and Luna will affect the blockchain gaming space going forward? And yeah, the context behind it, in case people aren't familiar, there was a cryptocurrency called uh, Terra, which was associated with another one called Luna. It was an algorithmic stable coin. I won't get into what exactly that is right now. But essentially, its price dropped from, you know, like 100 to zero. And one which was tied to the price of the US dollar and was supposed to be stable with that. It turned out wasn't so stable. Again, crashed to zero. And it meant people lost literally billions in the space of a week. And even though we've seen market crashes in the stock market, and even though we've seen coin crashes in crypto, we've never seen a top 10 coin go to zero inside a week. And it's just happened. All righty. Interesting subject. Elena. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, so we are building our game currently on the Tesos blockchain, uh, which is uh, quite quite doing doing nicely. I mean, yes, the Tesos price has been going down since from what it was like back in the last autumn, for example. But uh, uh, but there's no apparent crash that I would say uh, on on that chain. So uh, so we are quite happy uh, happy in that ecosystem right now. And and in that sense, um, this recent crash uh, of the Terra hasn't had like a you know, major immediate impact on how we work or what we do, or, you know, we, we're not really, uh, really discussing that uh, right now, or like how it would affect anything, anything that we do and build. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I see this as relating to, uh, to wider stock market events as well. I mean, they are, they are lastly related. So, so it's definitely it's, it's kind of a down market right now in everywhere. And, uh, but you know, I I see that'll pass, uh, and and we'll we'll get past it. I I see Matthew, you want to continue? Yeah, no, thank you. I was um I was just I I agree that there is um the market trends and immediately not so much impact, but I think there might be a slightly different impact with all of the DAOs and the sort of organizations in the community. I think one of the things that's interesting is that this was predicted by someone essentially on Twitter who got chewed out by the founder and said that that could be subject to an attack. So my thoughts are that potentially um, it will mean that there will be people in your communities who are really looking for a way or a potential fault in your economy. And if there is that fault, then they will tell people and people will know that that could be potentially exploited to either gain large amounts of coin using your game's mechanics if something's broken or to um, crash the price of an NFT if you have a mintable NFT. So my my sort of thought is that maybe it is not a price impact, but more of a mindset that there are even the giants can be killed, and maybe that's a. I see. You know, you want to respond on that one. Elena, do you have anything to say on that one? Uh, yeah, no, I think that's that's probably correct. That people are you know paying attention to uh, you know more to the quality of the the products and and how they are built and uh, and there is that scrutiny and. Uh, I mean, if you have a, a good relationship with your community, hopefully they will also, you know, you will, you will, <laughs> they will let you know. You will hear about it if they, if they find anything, so you can, you can react to those things. Um, 
yeah, I mean, um, I think that would be uh, that would be just healthy if people kind of pay attention to to where they where they commit their time and energy to that they they work with valid valid teams and valid products that are are there to build kind of long term value. I mean, that's that's the that's the thing that you you wanna you wanna be there and your product to be there in years and years to come and 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 then that's that's why you are building a quality game and and not to do something that hey now now the market looks good now let's grab a big investment money and let's do something quickly and 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 you know then then we can just gonna kind of go and retire i mean that's <laughs> that's not the plan of the of a, of a kind of a valid player that is building uh, for the community and for the long term. I like it. Yari, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I was actually anticipating a bigger impact from the Luna Terra crash, uh, but uh, so far, apart from uh, some snarky articles uh, in, in media, I, I haven't seen really a lot. And and, uh, and I have to say that it bugs me that uh, pretty much 99% of those uh, articles uh, really don't even understand what, an, uh, what this algorithmic uh, a stable coin means they they are just uh, so sort of thinking that it's it's the regular kind of uh, stable coin and and then then you just lose your interest and, and you wonder if uh, all, all of the financial reporting they do is on, on the same level uh, but um, you know um, uh, I, I wasn't familiar with uh, Terra Luna uh, previously but uh, ha- having seen how they were connected and and uh, what what the promise there was uh, I don't I don't think it's uh, any wonder that it uh, crashed, uh, even though I have to say that if it was done by someone or, or some entity or, or persons, uh, it, it was done clever uh, and that's scary. Uh, so uh, I, I, I guess if, if anyone's going to do any, any tokens or anything like that, uh, they should be kind of worried and, and make it very clear that uh, this, this kind of thing isn't possible there. Uh, but um, if you think about um, the money flowing uh, in, into VCs uh, to be invested in the Web3. Uh, uh, there was a recent article that uh, it's still increasing, so uh, I don't think it has a big impact on, on the gaming scene at least. I like it. I'm just going to bring that back to Anil. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I had a few thoughts, which I guess is why I proposed the topic. I think from a kind of like micro perspective, one, like the first question that was asked today was what can we do to make, you know, blockchain games have mainstream adoption? And stories like this certainly don't help with that. That would be my biggest bit because it's just another L in the column for blockchain in general and crypto, you know, high volatility, sharks in the space, people not knowing what they're doing. It can wipe currencies out overnight. You know, these are things that scare your average consumer and might mean that it never kind of goes fully mainstream. I think most of us think that it will get there over time, but things like this certainly don't help. I think as well, from a more to macro perspective, I mean, I have seen some games that were contemplating using an algorithmic coin. I have to say, we thought about using an automated market maker on our coin at one point very early on in development. Uh, I'm glad we chose not to use that option right now because I don't think our community would be so encouraged with that solution had we decided to do it. So that's maybe on a more practical level something that you might see go on as well. But I think, yeah, it also maybe makes me also that my last sort of fear on the thing is that right now blockchain has a lot of sharks in the space, sadly. I think people who come from traditional games development are kind of more honourable in the way that they do things. There are some sort of bad things, you know, maybe you might see people rehash a ported game really quickly and it was done with very poor quality for example you know rockstar even did that recently with their grand theft auto uh three remake right which was you know generally maligned or maybe even um you know cyberpunk 2077 but these are fairly innocuous crimes in the grand scale of things whereas a real crime is the sort of things we do see in cryptos rug pulls it even has a name 
you know, um, trying to, you know, pump and dump a project and then just, you know, go into the sunset and never be seen again. So these are things that I think everyone who's involved in this group wouldn't be making projects like that. But more and more people will try to do it because the potential is there right now. And, you know, some people aren't as honorable as others. And unfortunately, I think what this does is it doesn't do anything to, to fix that bad reputation that the industry has. And I think, you know, maybe circling it back to the first question again, why these two subjects are linked is that in order for the industry to move forward is we need to all act together and make sure that this doesn't happen in the future. And that, you know, it does, you can be trusted, basically. You see they add something. It's an advantage to have crypto in your game. It's not just a system that people have put in so a few people somewhere can get rich very quickly. No, I like that. It's a good overview. Um, Matt, did you have something to say? So I think it's really, it's, it's kind of interesting that um, essentially we might actually be crying out for regulation in the in the uh, deregulated space. And I also think that we may also with this sort of with the growth of community and the discord thing, if discord became a metaverse, maybe that's where all crypto games would have to live. But the interesting thing that I think is that I, I think that it might have an impact on how people actually manage their communities, because if you are looking at how your community wants to vote and I listen to vocal web two communities essentially they want a button that gives them wins and uh, they want everything at once and you can look at how this sort of ends up maybe warping or manipulating sometimes the game because we have to as game as dungeon masters essentially for the dungeons we're creating we have to give them a fight at some point so we can't allow things to be um entirely sort of go the player's way and this may be a bit of a clash with they see us trying to make a game where it's fair and we can sort of also earn and they themselves are maybe looking for an advantage or looking potentially um at how to how to make the most out of it so it's a different kind of game different kind of game potentially i think people are more savvy in the space currently um and when we get mass adoption that level of less savvy people who can now easily use it need to be protected so that's a maybe regulation is the thing we're actually or at least a code of conduct. Elena, you would like to jump in? Yeah, it's just a quick word on the regulation uh, that, that was brought up right now. Uh, I mean, EU is actually building up uh, blockchain regulation. And what I've seen of the, the coming regulation that they're now planning, uh, it's actually going to be really good. I mean, it's going to kind of clear things out because right now, I mean, we are also based in Finland, in Helsinki. And, and right now in, uh, in Europe, like every country is, is doing their own thing because what they are trying to do is they are trying to... Um, kind of uh, use the existing regulation or, or laws that were really not made for blockchain and, and try to see like how that fits. And of course it doesn't quite fit. So everyone has their own interpretation on, on what they do and what what is what can be done and and, and what things need to be uh, kind of filed and, and, and everything. So uh, I think the regulation will be amazing. And I think that will actually bring out uh, the next wave. Maybe that'll be the wave wave three or wave four of, of, of new companies uh, being born in the scene when, when things get very clear also the regulatory point of view like yeah a lot i was just thinking now uh on the fact that luna was attacked in a sense and i'm just thinking from a traditional mmo type of thing a bug might come up it's randomly you can start duplicating items but if that happens in your blockchain game you can't do a game reset what would that kill your game in the sense like is there any coming back from that because there's so much currency made Daniel, what are you thinking? Yeah, basically, no, you wouldn't. I mean, there are things you can do to try and fix it. 
but you probably are going to bottom your game if something like that happens. That's why you've got to be extremely careful. I think in the, the description you gave, that would, well, it wouldn't. I mean, if you could duplicate it, someone would make a bot that duplicate all of your items infinite amount of times and try to sell them and bottom out your market. So you, it would be almost impossible, unfortunately, to fix it. So that's why you've got to be really careful with your smart contracts. There's already been some examples of this already. Those guys like we're building on Polygon and there was a game earlier in, actually it was just at the end of last year where they had a small bug in their code and it meant that every transaction was going into a loop and it completely throttled the entire Polygon network. And it meant that Polygon is a layer two solution. So usually your gas fees are almost non-existent, but people were having to pay $700 in gas fees because this other game had this bug in their smart contract. So that's even worse than the problem you've described because that's a problem that has nothing to do with everyone else on the layer but they were affected by somebody else. So there are some very high ramifications and risks that go on with blockchain. And you just have to be very careful and mindful of it. And that is one of the, you know, the good and bad things about the technology. It's decentralized, it's permissionless, it's powerful. But I think it was it Spider-Man who once said, with great power comes great responsibility. Got to be careful. No, I think we will conclude on that lovely Spider-Man note. Awesome. Uh, we'll leave it there. This has been the Evo Gaming Podcast on, and the second episode actually on Web3 Gaming. I want to take this opportunity to thank Matthew, Yari, Alina, and Anil for providing their insights. You've all been fantastic guests. And thank you everyone for listening. If you'd like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts or just want to chat, reach out to me on LinkedIn at Harry Foku. Foku is spelled P-H-O-K-O-U. Bye everybody.